At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. And this week, well, it's Masters Week. That's the rumor. It's Masters Wednesday. Typically, it is par three contest day. That's not going to happen this year. But good news, I've got a replacement for your par three contest blues. The iconic Jim Nance, the voice you'll hear for the next four days watching the Masters, joins for the first time on the Clubhouse. And we talked about... Augusta in November. We talked about some differences and changes you'll see without patrons out on the golf course. And we dove deep into 92. And Jim tells an unbelievable story about Fred Couples. Not just the week that he wins at Augusta National and wins the Masters, but the week before and what what Fred Couples was doing with Jim Nance and uh, and getting into a little bit of trouble together, uh, having a little bit of fun as a couple 30-year-olds. I think you'll enjoy the story if you haven't heard it already. And, uh, And we finish... With a little Bryson talk, as per a contract, all golf personalities have to have now. You've got to talk about Bryson at some point in a half an hour conversation, or you get fired and you get evicted. That's really it's gotten pretty brutal, really, in this world. Uh, but I hope you enjoy it. I've, I've never had Jim on. Uh, he is, in my opinion, the voice of golf. Uh, he has been for the last three decades, and he is uh, an unbelievable guy by all accounts. He's an unbelievable host. He's an unbelievable play-by-play personality, and uh, and an unbelievable person. So I hope you enjoy it. I am fired up for the Masters. I wanted to just quickly let you know a couple of things. One is, had a great Get a Grip podcast this week with Max Homa. Of course, that's my other podcast I do with iHeart. Just look it up. It's called Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon. But this is Max's first Masters. And if you want to hear, if you ever want to think, what would it sound like if I was playing in a Masters? Listen to this week's Get a Grip because Max... We recorded it the Monday after he played his first ever practice run at Augusta National. He'd never been on the grounds at Augusta National before. So, again, if you want to hear passion and you want to hear somebody excited like we would be if we were getting a chance to play Augusta, go listen to that podcast. The second thing I want to tell you is, and I've mentioned it before, but Venue is a new app. It's basically, it's it's basically, in, in, in less words than, than I can put together, and glue together. It is a place you can go and have a very similar conversation to what you get on a lot of social media sites, but about the one thing you're caring about. That one thing this week is the tournament I mentioned. So make sure you download Venue. I'm going to be on it all week. We're doing it a little bit different than we've done in the past. Typically, it's the final round. It's three hours. We're in there chatting with polls and pictures and videos and having a conversation. This is going to be all week long a chance to just be involved in venue. There are going to be times where we hop in. There's going to be times where we hop out. I know the Shotgun Start guys are going to be in there as well. Just check it out. You know, immerse yourself in venue. Go to getvenue.app, and you can download that on uh, iOS or Android. And it's a great experience. It's a second screen experience this week. I know it's going to be a third or a fourth screen experience. That's okay. I know you've got a tablet. I know you've got a laptop. You know, I know you've got a TV. You've got a chance to watch all of the feeds that you want to have 
in your face as you should, considering it's the Masters. But the phone, the venue phone, have it on. You know, you'll laugh uncontrollably at all of our jokes, I'm sure. But it is it is a fun experience to have along with obviously watching, you know, the biggest event in golf. So I urge you to go to getvenue.app, download it, enjoy it, experience it. I'll be involved all week long. And that really is all I got. Check out Get a Grip, download Venue, get excited. Go to Instagram, at Shane Bacon. I'm continuing my hat of the day, hat of the week, Masters edition, where I have a different Masters hat for each day. It's actually sad I have seven Masters hats to go along with Masters week, but you know, if you know anything about me, you know that I have a hat issue, so that there you go. Uh, that's it. Let's get to the legend. And we welcome into the clubhouse for the first time, Jim Nance. Jim Nance, of course, is the voice of golf for CBS Sports and will be the host of the Masters starting on Thursday for his 33rd straight year, 35th consecutive Masters. And Jim, I'm assuming this one is easily the most different Masters you've had the honor of covering uh, in your career? I would say it's not even close. Uh, it's everything about it's going to feel and look a little bit different. But I think once we get to the weekend and we've got a green jacket on the line, it's going to feel to the viewer at home very normal. All the familiarity with the holes, the players, what's at stake. I think all of these kind of pre-tournament stories are going to wash away. And uh, we'll be getting back to that feeling of uh, high drama for, uh, for a green jacket. Yeah. Do you, do you personally have a tradition or something you always do first when you get to Augusta National for Masters Week? I know I know. normally it's a little busy because you're doing the NCAA event. You know, you're doing the NCAA tournament and then you're, you're flying there quickly. But do you have a Jim Nance tradition? I do. I do. I have a lot. I think that uh, I, I, I'm not the only one that kind of has a, a little ritual that, that I go through. I think others that have been here repeatedly kind of find their favorite things to do. And you, you mentioned how it's different. Uh, just the very fact that I'm not coming off of calling 15 games in the last uh, some 27 days or 23 days, I think it is normally from um, the Big tur- Ten tournament through the NCAA tournament and coming in here looking for my second wind and and an adrenaline boost, which I always get the minute I step foot on property. Uh, but yeah, I'm usually coming in on, on Tuesday. This past year had all of this bad dream never happened. I would have been coming in from Atlanta, which of course is the dream scenario for me. The championship game and final four were scheduled for uh, Mercedes Benz stadium. And I would have been down uh, Monday night after the game, but n- now I come in off of a football game. So that's a little different. Uh, but on Wednesday, which is the day that we're talking, I have uh, always had this little personal tradition. It's been over 30 years of walking down to, uh, to Amen Corner and walking across the Hogan and Nelson Bridges. I started it with Venturi, with Ken Venturi, something that we used to kind of make an annual trek, and he would he would tell stories, and, and, and I just kind of made it my own. Obviously, Ken last broadcasted in 02. But, uh, yeah, I go across the bridges, and uh, you're away from everybody. You know, I kind of stand there and look back uh, over the entire course and and say a little prayer of thanks and appreciation for being there. It's still kind of hard to believe that I, I got the lucky ticket to be able to come to the Masters so many years ago and been able to come back so many times. I never take it for granted. So it's a quiet, prayerful moment of introspection, and and then I get right back into the mode of, all right, what do we got to do? What what's the, you know, what are the stories and and what's the schedule look like? Because it's busy. We're running. We've got late night shows. We've got live shots in the morning when 
the first uh, honorary shots were struck and um, you know, composing openings and teases and you're talking to players and all of that I love and relish and I'm ready to get into it right now when, you know, when the time allows. Well, the one thing I know about the Masters and Augusta National specifically is that they'll surprise the world with the new technology or a building or a driving range without a lot of fanfare headed into it. I know losing patrons for Masters Week is disappointing for everybody. It's appropriate and necessary, but disappointing. I could see Augusta turning that into a huge positive. Do you hear? Do you know? Are you expecting to unveil some some different things this week, considering you're not going to have all those people out on the golf course, you know, watching and 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 I don't want to say being in the way, but you know, patrons are there and camera people have a harder time getting to where they need to be. So is there anything that will look different considering there aren't going to be people on the golf course? I think, Shane, basically every single hole is going to have a, a, a different optic to it than in the past because your your shots are always framed with um, thousands of people lining the fairways and circling the green. So I think there are going to be some open looks that just are going to end up in, in the lens of uh, every one of our camera operators. I think that, I don't even know where to begin, but with no grandstands and no rope lines, uh, it, it's already going to just uh, be just drastically different to the guys sitting at home. And I think that's exciting. I don't think we have to work too hard to, to create something. Just, just think of when, when you look at a hole like um, 16 and, 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 and normally what you're seeing on that left hillside on the other side of the water and behind the green to the right that's just not going to be anyone there. And, and, and that, that goes on so many holes that uh, are, are, are usually uh, just packed with patrons and some of the great viewpoint holes. We haven't really had a look at what it, it feels like to the player beyond. And you know, when they're out playing their practice rounds in March, this is what it's going to feel like to them from those, those, those preparation rounds. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know about any surprises. You know, obviously they've opened up the, the merchandise to the public online and and um, hey it's it's been a busy stretch just getting to the start here making sure everybody's tested and sadly you know we lost a couple of players uh to positive tests and you know just the the emphasis on on safety and protocols dictates a lot of things uh, i i will be very restricted of where i'm able to go i don't anticipate really having much access of any at all with the players uh, won't be going into the clubhouse this week. So, you know, people will keep their distance and, you know, we'll get on the air and try to try to make this tournament feel as, as, as normal as, as it always does. And I really firmly believe it will. Once we get it started, it's going to be just great to be back to the competition and, and not to have to concern ourselves with all the other things that have been leading us into the tournament. What is the one thing you're hearing, you're seeing about the golf course that will feel or will play different than typically Augusta plays in an April Masters? I think the thing is is just the the, the amount of moisture that that's been here early in the week, and you know, going on through Thursday for sure, and probably a little bit every day is just going to make this course extremely long. I've had uh, a lot of feedback from from. Um, from members that have known through the years about how it always plays longer anyway in November, the ball doesn't fly as far, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I, I think that's going to be it. I think you also have this changeover of, of, of grasses and it's, uh, I'm, I'm hearing already from 
you know, some of the transcripts I read and, and some of the things that I see on Golf Channel. It's just the shots around the green are feeling different to the players. The little chip shots are, are not going to be, it's just not going to be the same. It's, um, uh, it, it's just a, it, it's a different time of year and it's not going to affect the way these players are able to pull that off, but it's, it's different for them. There's no question. Jim, can you pass along a message to all the players in the field and remind them as a guy that doesn't have a hole in one, that it'd be really nice if they stopped skipping it in the hole for a one. Yeah. I'm so sick of seeing these videos. Amazing? How good are these guys? It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, I mean, what a week for Rom before the tournament even gets started, <laughs> but that shot, uh, I used to, by the way, I'd love to go out there. And if I was in early enough on a Tuesday, depending on where the championship game was, then I often would be. I could be on the big course by 11 or 12 on, on Tuesday, and I often would go out to 16 just, just watching the players have fun doing that, the skip shots. You know, you're a good player. I know you're, you've got a lot of game, but that's not that easy no. to do. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's not. I mean, you, you, try to, you try to skip a shot, and you know, the thing just, just takes a dive right into the water and never reappears. Uh, but the shot by Rom, my gosh, uh, that that's just insane. And I, I love the fact that it, it happened leading uh, into the tournament and certainly got a lot of people fired up for the event even more. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I wanted to go back to 92, Jim, and I know you get a lot of questions. I know you've talked plenty about your relationship with Fred Couples and you guys in college and, and chatting about possibly being in this in this position before. Maybe I missed this, but I had never read or seen the Final Four story until this week as I was prepping for the podcast. Can you enlighten people on Fred Couples' job, if you will, a few days before he went on to win a green jacket? Yeah. Well, that was something we had talked about a long time, and he uh, was the co-runner with Blaine McAllister. Now, you know Blaine because you follow the game so closely, and Blaine's playing uh, on the senior tour events now, but he won five regular tour events in his day, and, 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 and Blaine and Freddie both came to Minneapolis. It was the year, it was the year that uh, Duke was going for back-to-back championships, and standing in their way, ultimately, on Monday night, were five freshmen from the University of Michigan, the Fab Five. So that was the final four. They came to, to Minneapolis. And they actually uh, traveled there with Dick Harmon, the late Dick Harmon, such a great guy, and Charlie Epps, who was Blaine's teacher, and later Angel Cabrera's helped uh, Angel win a green jacket. So uh, <laughs> the short of it is, on, on Saturday, they were credentialed. And uh, it was just a bunch of college kids basically all <laughs> over again, uh, living out a dream. You know, they knew from my days sitting in Tob Hall, T-A-U-B, Tob Hall, 
in our little in our little dorm suite. That sounds glamorous when you say the word suite. It wasn't. <laughs> trust me. Uh, it was like an old army barrack. But uh, we were in rooms 101 and 103. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, even though we're now a little more than 10 years removed from that, we're just kids again. I can remember staying at a downtown Minneapolis hotel and the site for the games was the, 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 the Metrodome in, in Minneapolis. Right. And it was a good one mile walk, maybe, uh, as memory serves, but that, that's no longer, that structure is long gone, but we decided to walk. It was a nice day, you know, and early April in Minneapolis and we walked and they took turns carrying my briefcase <laughs> and, uh, you know, they had ball caps on and, um, they, they were having fun with the fact that, uh, you know, their buddy, uh, they were going to make me into a big shot. Yeah, they were going to try to create this aura like, Hey folks, move aside, please, you know, on the sidewalk <laughs> and people weren't recognizing them. You know, it was like, excuse me, like they were running interference and security for me. Excuse me, excuse me, Jim Nance isn't, you know, which is embarrassing as can be. But we got to the uh, arena and we found their seat locations, which would actually would be right to the side of us. I was calling the games back in those days with the great Billy Packer, just a, a dear, dear friend and a legend. And I had those days were just glorious for me. But uh, Billy was a big golfer. His son, Brant, you probably know is a, Absolutely really talented uh, the producer uh, uh, for NBC and Golf Channel. I'm so proud of his career. But uh, Billy was always into the game, so he gave them a few assignments when we first got there. You know, hey could, guys, I don't have the latest stats on <laughs> on Indiana. Could you go back in and bring those out? And you know, they thought he was being serious. He had them truly running. Go get this. Go get that. Uh, Jimmy, what do you need? You need a cup of coffee? Yeah, they both would take off. Not, you know, one of them wasn't capable of going and getting a, a coffee. So uh, they took their role very seriously. It was a, a bit, though, unfortunate as we got closer to the first tip. The other teams there besides Michigan and Duke were uh, Cincinnati with Nick Van Exel and uh, in Indiana. Bob Knight had a team in there um, that made a great rally on Saturday, almost got the got got through to the championship game, but uh, people started to recognize, of course, Fred, especially the media. He was ranked number one in the world at the time. <laughs> uh, he had already won a couple of tournaments. He won Bay Hill, as I recall, by like nine shots, maybe. He had won L.A. I believe that was one of the years where he contended, was in a playoff with Davis. So he's ranked number one in the world at that time. And now here he was days before Masters week in yeah, he's working as a runner. And uh, that night, on Saturday night after the games ended, uh, they they I, I don't know what their plan was, but they ended up sleeping on a sofa and on the floor and alternating between my room at that downtown hotel <laughs> and sleeping uh, in the concierge. Uh, well, yeah, right there, right there on, on the same floor that I, I was residing. So just a couple of kids. It's what it was, you know, in our early thirties and on Sunday, they were still talking about maybe sticking around for the Monday game. Sunday, they both came down to, uh, to get some practice. Freddie showed up wearing an Indiana cap. I think Bob Knight came over and said something to him <laughs> at the table. Um, yeah, I don't think I finished that, but a lot of the media saw Fred there and it became almost like an impromptu series of interviews. You'd get the national writers like John Feinstein, who was there covering right. the games. 
and Mike Lupica, and it was like one after another. And I don't think the NCAA liked that too much. <laughs> it's kind of taken away from their event. And uh, the 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 celebrity ro- uh, runner uh, role was kind of eliminated. Uh, that was that. it. That, that was the end of that. I, it I, was I, it. I was waiting for you to now ask Dustin Johnson to get you a Wi-Fi password or something. It just <laughs> yeah. a little different, a little different that time now than, than the '92. That right? I could use, you know. But I can remember when Freddie left. I said I do remember, and uh, he would remember this too. I just I try to be. Uh, judicious and when I, I put a thought into his head it was throughout his career he tried to send little messages like he would back in college you know as a friend just a word of encouragement so I know the last thing I said to him on Sunday was hey this is the week man this is the week that we we used to practice and rehearse so uh I'll see you but I'll see you for sure Sunday in, in Butler Cabin I've used that line a few other times on some other guys you know I'll see you Sunday around seven o'clock <laughs> in Butler Cabin but First time I ever said it was to Freddie, just to give him a thought, get him back in a little golf mindset and let him know that this was the time. And uh, April the 12th, that Sunday, it was his time. And it was just an amazing, amazing experience to, to watch your friend reach reach that lifetime goal. And it just, I get to, uh, at times in my life, I think about that as like the most special moment of my career is to be able to be in the cabin and and uh, watch someone that you you love as a brother achieve that moment it, it was it was very special it always will be and i can imagine as special as it was as a broadcaster as someone fairly new to this job this role it was probably in a way tough to be objective to not oh, you know throw you know yourself right into it because i mean it was i'm imagining you being emotional and you being so into every shot the ball hanging up on the hill there at 12 i mean it probably was difficult to do your job well and balance both roles they had to finish the third round on sunday that year freddie was playing with craig Perry, so it was very uh, much like the conditions this week of course uh, had a lot of water on it uh, but yeah, he used to spark some thoughts. I can remember really late in the broadcast, I was getting jittery about, about this pending possible green jacket ceremony and the weight of it. It sounds silly, but you know, you do these interviews so well and you, know, you do think them through and you, you want to do them right. You want to do them professionally. Uh, but I began to kind of overthink it and process it. And, uh, so after he played in the morning with Craig Perry, you know, he was in a battle with Raymond Floyd in the, in the final round. And it was around the 14th or 15th hole, I started to get a sense that this was actually going to happen. And I believe it was Ben Wright, who was at, uh, you know, 15 back in those days. He brought me in at some point. Uh, I, I, I was only in Butler Cabin at that time. It's not like today where. I do Butler cabin and run up to the 18th and then come back for the end of the show into the cabin. I was just the host and uh, I would interview players and bring us on the air and things like that. Do some resets out of, out of commercials. But Ben asked me a question about, you know, you've known Freddie a long time. What would this moment be like to him? And I, I've never gone back and watched the broadcast in part because I, it gets me nervous. I get that anxious feeling. But I, I remember not answering that question on the air uh, with much uh, erudition. I sounded uh, less than, I, I think, professional, maybe. It wasn't that I inserted any per- personal beliefs. It's just I 
I, I just I don't think I sounded as though I was an experienced broadcaster. This was my seventh Masters at this point. Uh, it was going to be my fifth Green Jacket presentation. And I realized I was so focused on what he was doing. I wasn't ready. Right. And it was probably a 30-second answer I would love to have back again. I guess one of these days maybe I'll go back and hear what I said. But I, I remember kicking myself a little bit and saying, man, that was not like high-quality commentary. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you, you got to get a grip here, man. You, you, pretty soon you're going to be on camera trying to get through this. So, and when he came into the cabin, it was hard. It was truly the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my career. And I grew from it. As you know, I think it's true in any walk of life. When you face an adversity, uh, let, let's just isolate it here to your job. And you get through it and you get stronger and you, you, you get tougher because you were able to survive it. I don't that's probably not the right word, but you grow from it. You learn from it. That particular situation in the cabin, I really felt like I was on the brink of a meltdown, like just a like overjoyed and so emotional about what it meant to Fred. I, I really thought I might have a hard time uh, kind of holding it together, but I did. And I didn't say anything on a personal level until the very end. Um, my last question, uh, as, as Frank Trichinian said, last question, and give him the jacket <laughs> into my earpiece. I said, I think back to our days at the University of Houston. I wanted to get a lot of the guys kind of into this moment somehow to be represented there. I think of Paul Marchand, who was here this week and remains Freddie's teacher and a former teammate and greatest guy of all time. I think of Paul Marchand. I think of Blaine McAllister. I think of John Horn. Even I. We all used to say, someday you're going to look great in a green jacket. And Fred put his hand over his eyes to shield uh, his ability to look at me and really turned his head, too, away and said, well, you know, Fred always kind of starts things out with a well and buys himself some time. And, and he said, well, I always kind of this was the tournament meant the most and I always thought I could play. Uh, it was a very pedestrian kind of straight answer because. Fred was feeling the same thing that I was. We've right. talked about it post with many times. He was afraid of that interview. He was afraid that he could hold it together, um, but he did. And uh, yeah, I, I turned it over to Mr. Stevens, Jack Stevens. And I, I was still in such stunned belief. I didn't even get out of my chair. I don't know why. Everybody was standing up <laughs> saying the green jacket. I was still sitting down like I was in a daze and, um, and I said something on the air about it. it's a perfect fit. I think they had given him a jacket that would have fit Woozy, who was the <laughs> 91 champion. It was about just like, below his elbows. And Fred was about to say, well, not really. Um, <laughs> but we, we signed off and had a hug. Uh, uh, I didn't realize the cameras were still on us. And it was a magical, magical, magical day. My favorite, my favorite day of my career. Really, really amazing. I've got a couple more questions. I know you're you're a little tight on time, but I got a couple more for you if that's okay. Sure. I uh, I did Absolutely. I did want to throw this at you. So I do a podcast. You actually just said the name of the podcast while you were talking. By the way, I'm assuming we're going to cut that and probably use it over and over again all the time. Uh, the podcast <laughs> is called Get a Grip. I do it with Max Homa in the field this week, and uh, I'm not going to lie to you when I say uh, I may or may not have sent an all caps text message to him yesterday when the pairings came out because he gets Fred Couples this yeah. week. And I was thinking, right. you know, Freddie has to be a top five pick for anybody playing in their first Masters for a Thursday and Friday grouping. I mean, it's, you couldn't ask for someone better 
to play with. You know, Max is from California. He's a Dodgers fan. I just feel like that's going to make Max more comfortable getting a chance to walk around Augusta National with this legend of the place. I think that your read on that is 100% accurate. And I'm excited. I saw that too. Um, and I look forward to getting to know Max better uh, in the years ahead. And that's going to be a, a big couple of days for him. And he, he did draw a, a, the perfect guy to play with because Fred will be so concerned. Of course, he'll care about his own game, but this is who he is. He'll be overly generous to make sure Max feels super comfortable. And, he, and, and I know Max uh, will, will enjoy having the chance to talk to someone and maybe divert some of the pressure into things like the Dodgers. And, and you've got the most willing guy in the world to be able to talk about, you know, not only the golf course and situations and the pressure of it, but when it comes to sports, you know, Fred's memory bank runs really deep. So I'm excited for Max for that, for that pairing. And yeah, he won't be, uh, he won't be um, melting down like, uh, like I was, he, he will, uh, he will have a grip and I hope he plays great. I hope I hope so as well. Uh, last thing, and, and I had to bring it up. I mean, we've gone twenty something minutes and haven't mentioned a name, and it's not the name probably most people think. I got to bring up Bryson. You know, I think a lot of people see you working with Tony Romo. You know, in these these football games for for the NFL, and you know, Tony has so much energy. I, I feel like it, you feed off his energy, and both of your energy levels go up because of Tony and how good he is at his job. I almost feel like Bryson's a little like that with golf. The energy level of all of us getting a chance to talk about it has ramped up because of this new Bryson, and now we get to see him play the golf course that we all were excited to see him play with this new distance. How much fun has it been for you to get to call Bryson's play this year and, and watch this you know, takeover of the game, this completely new approach to golf where – Let's hit it 400 yards and see how we can do. Well, you, you probably thought that you were leading me down the road in, in uh, uh, a question about Tiger. But when you started to say, I'm going to bring up a name, I actually, the first name that I thought you were going to bring up was Bryce. <laughs> there you go. He is the show. <laughs> He's the he show. is the show. And we had, well, I broadcast 10 tournaments over the summer. He, he won one of them uh, in, in quite uh, a Bryson-esque fashion. That was at Detroit golf club when he won the rocket mortgage. And then he finished uh, fourth at, at the PGA championship. So uh, those were a, a couple of times where I really got to see Bryson in, in, in the heat of it. And uh, of course I have other years too, but this is the new Bryson and it's changing the game. And, and, and it really is uh, coming at a time where we don't know how much longer we're going to have Tiger competing at the highest level. I hope it's for a long time. And I'm the last guy that's ever going to say it, 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 it's fading away. I'm, I'm going to give him every chance to keep going for another five or 10 years as long as he's healthy. But I've often wondered what will the game look like when that, whenever that day is, when Tiger's not the first story. Right. You know, is the game going to be in good hands? Well, I, I really feel like with this brigade of 20 somethings that are out there, the game's kind of established where it's going with the next generation. And then on top of it, you've got what Bryson's doing. And it is, it is such a show that the game is going to have something at its center 
as far as an attraction and an attention grab, and it's going to last a long time. And now, yeah, you're right. Is the, is this going to get other guys to try to follow this this approach? I, I write a column every month for Golf Digest, and it's been a real honor to 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 try to cobble together a few thoughts and been doing it for a couple of years. And when he won at Detroit that night, I was curious what the deadline was on the next issue, which would be coming out August 1st. The tournament was at the end of June, but you have some advanced deadlines and everything. I'd already submitted my column for that next issue. I called Guy Yoakum, who was just a tremendous guy to work with. I said, Guy, is, is there any wiggle room here? Can I put together a column quickly on Bryson, I'll check. He got back and said, well, basically you have today, Monday. You have Monday, and that's it. <laughs> they've already kind of lined it up and everything. I sat down, and I'm not kidding. I wrote in one hour a column about Bryson and how he, at that point, had never had a top 10 in a major. He had an 11th somewhere, but he had never had a top 10 officially. But I said some things such as, you know, today's players better be careful. Believe me, he is out to dominate. And I've been around him enough to know that he's driven to be the best. And uh, it was a big endorsement of what he was doing. And we got the column in. And the column came out, you know, days before the, the Harding Park. And it really expressed some things that since that time have kind of come true. Um, I saw it at Detroit. I've seen the kid enough times. I've had enough interaction with him where I, I felt like I knew what was in his head. And, 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 and trust me when I say this, he's just getting started. Right. You know, the Wingfoot thing was uh, not on our air. It was, uh, it was uh, on NBC's air and it was an amazing broadcast and amazing performance by him to win by six, but we're, we're, it's just getting started. And now as far as this week goes, he's got a couple of nice, Things to, to fall back on. I heard somebody say last night, well, his best finish ever at Gus's was only tied for 21st. Well, that happened at 16 when he was an amateur. And I remember that year really well because I had said something else in, in Golf Digest in the months leading up to that Masters that this similar similar talk that I thought he could change the game. I didn't know it was going to be with his body. I thought it was about the, 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 the same length shafted club. Um, but that year when he played here as an amateur and turned pro the following week, through 35 holes, he was in the last pairing on Friday. That's right. the way the times worked out. He stood on the tee on Friday, and he was in second alone. And he, his tee shot never got through the tunnel. It rattled around in the magnolias and the pines off to the left of the tee. And he ended up incurring a penalty shot and ended up taking a drop over by like 8T and made a 7. But for 35 holes as an amateur, he, he was right there. Um he, I mean, he was he was in the mix, and he finished twenty first. Uh, and don't forget, last year he got off to a great start, put together a six hundred par round. He could play this course. He's played it well before he reinvented himself. And um, I'm expecting big things. And while we're just talking about him, and you you can weigh in on this. Imagine if he does win this, right? What this would mean to the game. If on Sunday he walks away and he's won the last two majors, holy smokes, what a time for the sport in terms of drawing people to the game and wondering what's the interest level going to be after Tiger and all that kind of thing. It will be, it would be just huge, but he's going to win here. 
I, it is not a question in my mind. He's going to win here. And it just might be this week. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you on this. I just feel like, and, and I love that you brought up, you know, his, his plays in Amber. I remember that master so well. He, he was playing, I believe he was playing with Spieth. And the story was this amateur is, you know, he knows history. He knows he knows so much about golf. He loves everything about the the olden times of golf, which is actually kind of ironic now that he hits it, you know, 400 yards and he's using a 48-inch driver. But, you know, this was a guy that was was an amateur that wasn't scared to try out new stuff. And all of a sudden he was in the in the hunt at the Masters. And and to your point, he makes a seven on 18. And that was kind of the end of his his bid to run. It reminded me a little of the Tiger run when he hit the flag stick. And of course, the penalty that came there on 15 the year. But it was uh, it was wild to see. It's been a lot of fun to watch. I feel like I get more questions now about Bryson than I've ever received about any professional golfer not named Tiger Woods. So yeah, it's if nothing else, it's great for golf because it allows us to see something we haven't seen much and allows us to see, uh, the, like you said, the future of the game when Tiger and Phil and everybody uh, moves on. Uh, my last question, Jim, who has their name on your backyard hole-in-one plaque the most? Whose name is there the most? <laughs> Brant Snedeker. Really? He's the, uh, he's the first to make it twice. He was the first to make it. So I had to go order up a new plaque, and he's at the top of the list on the uh, on the Rock of Fame, as it's called. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I got to get you out there the next time. I know you were in, in the area last December. Unfortunately, I was out of town, but man, I'd love to have you come by and and knock it. And I've had some guys though that have tried it and you know hit a small buck. I hit a large bucket really and try to make it, and it still counts. I don't care how many it takes. So you can sit there all day until you make it, as far as I'm concerned. But there are only, I believe, now seventeen names. Wow! And That's surprising. Are you, are, are you on the? Are you, you on your own twice? rock? Well, there, here's the thing: I'm never going to put my name. On okay, there. That's never. Fair. I, I, I hit. You got to realize, I hit hundreds of shots there every week. So, by dumb luck, I've made it. <laughs> you know, a few times. So, recently, Freddie, in fact, in October, was out at Pebble. We had two great days, and. Um, he was watching my four-year-old son, Jameson, hit balls. He could knock it on the green. Now, it's 53 yards with a ball that flies about 50%. Um, but Freddie was watching him, and uh, my son has an <laughs> unbelievably good good swing. Uh, and then Freddie started hitting some shots. And, I mean, I have it all on video. It's just awesome to watch him. And it's not the first time, obviously, he's hit balls up there. I wanted his name on the Rock of Fame. And as dumb luck would have it, I made it. <laughs> Well, hitting shots, you know, one after another, we'd alternate shots and he didn't. So, uh, yeah, Fred's not on there, but you know, we've got Mickelson who of course went full blown social media with it as did Nick Faldo Poulter's on a pulse is there. Billy Horschel first ever hole in one he made in his career, by the way, in your backyard, he called it. He said, I'm going to count it as official. I'd never made a hole in one, but I'm going to count it. Uh, and he's made one since, but that, that will always be his first. Uh, Michael Wilbon made it from uh, ESPN. Great guy was out visiting, doing a charity thing, and came up to the house and knocked in the hole. So, yeah, there uh, and Sneds was the first, and 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 then he came back and made it again uh, last year. So, love that guy. I'm glad to see his game is starting to to, to round into form, and it's been a tough fall for him losing his mom. But uh, I would love to see him play well this week. We're missing the name Shane Bacon. I know, We're missing I, the name Bacon on there. I've, 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 we have a Bacon curse. It's a family curse. Nobody, none of my dad, my uncle, big golfers their entire lives 
None of us have a one. So maybe it's maybe I it's the Nance backyard that. that we need to uh, to pull that off. But Jim, well, we'll count it as official. I heard you say that earlier. Anytime it goes in, it's official. That's what I say. But Jim, I really appreciate the time. Yeah. I know uh, I know you're you're very busy. Thanks so much for uh, for for the time and the stories. I can't wait to watch it. You know, we talk about a tradition unlike any other. You in the jacket in the booth at Augusta is the tradition. So we cannot wait to watch it. Really, is special to, to to be a part of. You're nice to say that, and I'm a big fan of yours. And I appreciate your passion for the game, and and uh, I can relate so much to when I hear you. I relate so much to kind of what runs through my veins and my my. Uh, you know, this lifelong love affair with the game. I know you have it and admire that, admire the way you're able to articulate it. Thanks for having me on. Let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks so much, Jim. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. A big, big thanks. I can't thank him enough to Jim Nance for uh, joining on a Wednesday. He joined Wednesday of Masters Week to chat about what's going to happen Thursday and beyond. So, uh, you know what? If you see Jim Nance ever in your life, just give him a high five or even a thumbs up because he's obviously a great fella and a great dude and an unbelievable broadcaster. And uh, and two things in my life now I want to accomplish. And I could do both in the same place. I want to make a hole-in-one, and I want to make a hole-in-one in Jim Nance's backyard. So, just make it in his backyard and you check both the boxes. Have a great week. Enjoy this. Again, th- this is so unique and so different. The year has been all over the place. We have all dealt with so many issues, so many things, you know, so many stressful moments, so many testing and trying moments in our lives. Enjoy this. Enjoy the couch. Get your kiddo, if they're not a golf fan, to sit with you for half an hour and watch it. Get your husband or your wife or a friend to just be a part of a November Masters. This is going to be great. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be unique. And I just urge you to really, really, really live in the moment for the next four days, as I hope to do, because I, I am fired up and amped for a for a, a unique back-to-back Masters experience. Have a great week. Good luck in your pools. Good luck if you're going out early or late to play a little bit of golf. And we will check in with you following the 2020 Masters. The Clubhouse with Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.